He'll come back for the second. India have won the test match. India have won the series. They're going to get back for two. Hello and welcome to a new episode of the 81 All Out podcast. This is your host, Siddhartha Vaidyanathan, and I'm thrilled to welcome a very special guest on the show today, someone whom R. Ashwin has termed an absolute encyclopedia when it comes to technical adjustments and knowledge about bowling. Uh, the former India and Tamil Nadu all-rounder and until recently India's bowling coach, Bharat Arun. Thank you so much for joining us, Arun. It's a real pleasure to have you on the show. Thanks. Uh, thanks for the intro. It's a pleasure to be interacting with you. I'm looking forward to it. Thank you. Uh, as many of you would be aware, Arun has been a terrific guiding force for India's bowlers over close to a decade or more. He has overseen the rise of far and away India's best bowling attack. And one of the rare, he's one of the rare bowling coaches who has played a pivotal role in uh, raising the games of both the fast bowlers as well as spinners. So, uh, also for young, younger listeners and people who are not aware, Arun was also a terrific all-rounder for Tamil Nadu in the 1980s. And he briefly played test cricket and one-day cricket for India too. He played a big part in Tamil Nadu winning the Ranji Trophy, as well as South Zone winning the Dilip Trophy. So, Arun, uh, having said that with that introduction, this is a good chance to actually go back a bit in time. And uh, tell us a bit about your own uh, sort of taking to bowling, uh, medium pace. What was it that drew you to that? Was it, you know, some people say it's the feel of the ball. Some people say it's that, uh, you know, the action and the rhythm and the run-up. What was it that drew you to bowling quick? Uh, well, when I uh, grew up as a youngster, we have four brothers and uh, all of us used to play the sport, uh, of course, naturally with all our friends. And uh, fast bowling came pretty naturally to me. I used to compete with my older brother. My older brother used to be uh, uh, a good fast bowler. I wanted to be quicker than him. And so there was always a competition between him and me. Uh, so that really took up to fast bowling, actually playing street cricket and uh, also in the open fields, wherever there are open fields, all the kids used to play cricket. And uh, that's how I was inducted into the game. And most most kids were crazy about uh, cricket. All you needed was a, a makeshift bat and a rubber ball and you had lots of open ground. So. Uh, there was, there was never a problem of uh, trying to find a place to play the sport. So all these factors put together, I think, created uh, that interest uh, in us to grow as cricketers. So when you were bowling quick back in your career, uh, can you pick out like the hardest part that you found? Of course, there are multiple things. Fast bowling is probably the most unnatural thing for a human being to do, especially in, as a sport. But... Can you pick out one part of fast bowling, quick bowling, that you found was extremely hard to master? Well, I would say uh, there are a lot of things. Um, you growing up as a kid, the first time I saw the West Indians come to India in 1974, 75 um, season, and uh, there was so much hype created uh, by Andy Roberts. I can tell you that he was also one of my idols. And we, you wanted to emulate uh, a great bowler like Andy Roberts. You wanted to bowl quick. Um, so, to try everything that you have. 
to do that. And people come and tell you all kinds of things as to what you need to do uh, as a fast bowler. So you would want to lap up to everything that uh, your senior cricketers tell you, and you want to try out. You don't. You you want to leave no stone unturned in trying to find out what whatever it is to make you that uh, right from the diet you eat, right from the kind of running you do, right from the training that you do. So you're told so many. Also, a lot of myths are passed down. So uh, we did some things right, and some things were totally, uh, uh, you know, uh, not what a fast bowler should be doing. So I think it's it's been it's been a wonderful journey that way. And uh, I can say that this is this is something that uh, yeah, you know got the coach in me out once I started giving up, the, once I gave up the game because of my injuries, I gave up pretty early. So at 30, I said I couldn't progress because of my knees. And so there was a very strong desire in me to excel in the sport. And uh, coaching was one option at that point of time. So you did mention, uh, you know, you did quite a few things right, you did quite a few things wrong. Do you think that the things you did wrong was largely because of the lack of know-how around fast bowling or was it just, uh, you know, that you, was there other reasons for it? What do you think was the main reason? I mean, people talk about... Lack of, lack lack of knowledge. Yeah, lack, lack of, of knowledge. knowledge. Hmm. And, and, fast and bowling the, is an explosive activity and any, hmm. any activity in cricket is explosive. But all that I have trained it's like a marathon runner running, long distance running. And, they, and uh, you had a lot of myths when we're growing up. Never go to the gym because your muscles get tighter. So once it gets tight, then you cannot hold fast. And so you totally believed in all these things. So uh, because you had no uh, quality information available for you to grow as a fast bowler. So you, you took up everything that the senior cricketer told you. And... Uh, Later on, you find out that all that you did was uh, that your entire training methods, okay, some of it might have helped, but it was not what a fast bowler should be doing. Also, a lot, uh, there have been quite a few cricketers who have spoken about their careers from the 80s and 90s, around the time 80s when you played, and then even 90s, when they have said that a bulk of what they learned about fast bowling was when they started playing international cricket. I mean, there have even been bowlers who have said, we didn't even know what was in, like, like basic things like you know, in-swing, out-swing, and things like that, and how to master it till we reached the very top. And until then, it seemed it was a lot of trial and error. Did you feel that too, that you were you had to go through a lot of trial and error before you actually got the hang of it? Yes, of course, because we had uh, no source of information. So you have to figure things out for yourself. You ask a few coaches. See, because I think even uh, top brand players, they can perform the skill, but they can't teach a skill. Um, like if somebody, uh, some great cricketer who bowls an in-swinger, you give him a ball, he would be bowling in swing. But, um, and many a times um, after studying coaching, you realize what you think that you're doing and what you're actually doing are two different things. So a bowler who can perform one particular skill, uh, this, is, this would be the same, uh, what he thinks that he's doing and to actually what he's doing. So he would tell you something which would be impossible for you to carry on. So that, that, 
uh, led a very, very strong desire in me to uh, learn more about coaching because even when I started coaching initial stages of my life, you find out that when bowlers ask you questions, you're stuck for answers. You know that what you're saying, you're not convinced about what you're saying. So I said, let me learn um, more about coaching. And I, I strongly believe that your experience as a player can help you to be a better coach, but does not qualify you to be one. Very interesting. So, do you think that a, a bowler can be successful even without being able to explain what he's doing? Is it just like with the natural ability he can sort of move through international cricket? Yeah, they can. And there's so many, uh, most of them uh, have done it. Uh, most of them have performed. Uh, and I would say the greats, they can, they do understand, of course, um, once they uh, keep playing, then they experiment. They learn for themselves, but it is very, very unique to them, uh, to their learning. So I think to understand the concepts as a whole, uh, there is a lot of science involved. And uh, if you can understand science, it's like this. Uh, if, you, if you look at 20 different people, if you look at the handwriting, um, they all can be very good, but their style of writing is totally different. Similarly, if you look at the 20 best fast bowlers in the world, across the world, you, you would find they've been all very, very successful, but their, uh, their styles are performing. Their actions are totally, they're not even similar. So it is about understanding science. The basics of the sport is, is, is the same, but understanding different styles. Uh, is extremely important. Similarly, if just because my handwriting is good, I can't expect you to write like me. You've got to use your own style of writing to get better. You can practice using your own style. Definitely, you can get better. But you cannot try and ape somebody else's style. Its skill is also very similar to that. So as a coach, that must be such a, a challenge for you, right? Because uh, the, if a bowler is bowl doing reasonably well and then you are watching and you know you think that maybe making a small change can alter things but it's so such a fine difference that you will have to calibrate your advice very carefully when you're talking to them right it's about see once you gain uh, knowledge i did my level two then I, I had a distinction when i did my level three and uh, actually my thesis on level three was about spin bowling um I feel though people classify you as a fast bowling coach, I'm a much better spin bowling coach than a fast bowling coach. Um, because that's that's something which is very, very uh, passionate uh, for me. So, yes, learning the science. Uh, once you realize that learning the science, I was also very, very fortunate to have been the head of the National Cricket Academy uh, for bowling, uh, where I went through a lot of bowlers, the young bowlers I've seen, so many thousands of videos it was a great learning for me every time i enter the field there's something for in it for me to learn and so that that was that was a great eye opener my stint at the nca fine-tuned my coaching abilities coaching skills and also i was lucky enough to be coaching uh, technically and also tactically, when I took up the India A teams, the India under-19 teams, I was the head coach. So uh, I had grooming in the technical and the tactical aspects of coaching. 
Yeah, so now that you bring up the National Cricket Academy, I mean, I, in, you have mentioned, of course, in interviews in the past about the fact that in 2013, you saw Jaspreet Bumrah and it was very interesting how you, uh, you know, the sort of the impression that you had was from the action was about the fitness levels and how he had to really build up his fitness levels if he had to continue bowling the same action. It strikes me that, you know, any other coach could have easily just told him to change his action or make a modification to his action. But you went the other way. You said you continue, but you have to make another change with your fitness. See, um, recommending changes to bowlers, uh, I believe in making small adjustments. Like I said, uh, the handwriting. I can make you write better by every day writing in a book and uh, adhering to the basics of uh, you know how you write the words. Similarly, skill is also something very similar to that. People have unique uh, actions. Bumrah was one of them. Um, being honest, I initially thought uh, it did warrant a change, but then I found that that was very, very difficult for him to uh, undergo. And also it was compromising on his pace. So when somebody is able to bowl really fast with a unique action, why not we just stick to that? But uh, uh, I had a good discussion with the strength and conditioning um, coach and the physiotherapist at the National Cricket Academy. And uh, we came to a conclusion that this action would place him under a tremendous amount of physical stress. So we said, all the more reason for us to monitor his workload and also make him extremely strong physically. So both these, and fast bowling too, is an activity where physical fitness and uh, the skill complement each other. So that's 50-50. You overdo one, um, it will probably affect the other. So you've got to have a perfect match between the workloads, the physical uh, fitness programs, and your work on the skill. Oh, wonderful. Because uh, uh, as a counterpoint, I just wanted to mention also that uh, you, of course, with regard to Ashwin, when it came to 2014-2015, there was a change that you advised him to make in terms of the load up and in terms of the way the arm was delivering. And I think that had a very clear biomechanical reason to it with regard to where the ball was going. So that is the difference, right, between like what you saw with Bumrah and advised and what you saw with Ashwin and advised? See, as I mentioned earlier, each bowler is different. And uh, understanding a bowler's style uh, before beginning to coach him is extremely important for a coach. So once you understand science, uh, biomechanics, we are not biomechanics, but I think to be an effective coach, you need to understand the underlying principles of biomechanics. It's nothing but the internal and the external forces acting on a human body and uh, how uh, it would affect someone if they are not very close to the basics. The basics of the sport is the same, but each one's um, skill, if you, can, if you can blend each one's style as close to the basics as possible, then they can be more efficient. So my job is to first understand a bowler's style and uh, bring that as close to the basics as possible without compromising on his ability to do uh, either a spinner or a fast bowler without compromising on the output. I need to make those small, I wouldn't call it changes, I would say adjustments. 
so when you when you say you need to understand the bowler so the, i'm imagining this is a combination of observation as well as uh, you know studying the video analysis as well as data analysis it is a blend of things that you are trying to figure out before you are giving them any advice right absolutely and uh, i think a spinner's journey is about discovering himself each one is blessed with that talent each one is blessed with the ability uh, my job as a coach is to empower them is to empower them by giving them the feedback when they are ready i also discuss i don't much discuss the technique but i think i discuss things that would help them understand that bowling my job predominantly as i said earlier uh, what a bowler thinks that he's doing and what he's actually doing are two different things as long as you bridge the gap then the bowler is empowered and he knows exactly what he's doing so that he could he could make those necessary necessary changes that you want so and the reason why a bowler is not able to get that is because uh, through years of playing and uh, uh, acclimatization he has it has become so natural to him right like i'm imagining a bowler who runs at a pace to uh, the wicket i think mohammad shami maybe was an example you had given uh, to change that requires a bit of a switch to go go on right is that uh, am i fair in saying that uh, there is a uh, there is one thing uh, i realized over the years is that uh, there are only two things a bowler can change uh, it is either how he runs in which which i can say the angle at which he runs in and uh, how he loads when you understand science you know that if these two things um, can be uh, if you can bring in necessary adjustments in these two things then it has an overall effect on the entire bowling so i think um, these when, when you want to make slight adjustments on either the run up or the way a bowler loads for him to be more efficient uh, these are things which a bowler is uh, has uh, control over and it is easy to make these kind of changes at whatever stage uh, a bowler is in so so uh, uh, changing like the pace at which one runs to the wicket is uh, manageable over time it's not something that some bowlers struggle with as i said i think the feedback that a coach gives in uh, is extremely important and uh, it's about trial and error it doesn't come easy it's about trial and error you try out different things you try that's why i said the spinner especially the spinners spinner's journey is about discovering himself how does one discover himself when he has more knowledge when he's empowered then he knows what exactly he is doing then he tries out different things certain things work out certain things don't but um for example if you look at ashwin he's forever willing to come out of his comfort zone to learn so it is extremely important that if you want to get better if you want to evolve as a bowler it's time and again you need to come out of your comfort zone try and learn uh, learn new things in the art of bowling uh, 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 very subtle changes it's not big change it's not changes subtle adjustments which you make would uh, really really enhance your uh, skill wonderful so um the you know just going back a bit more i mean you have also uh, we have also seen over the years uh, 90 80s 90s 2000s that bowlers uh, came along and uh, they were very good early on in their careers they were quick 
but there have been number of cases as they went along, the pace dropped or the consistency dropped. Uh, one, of course, fitness is a natural thing to uh, attribute that too. But you have also mentioned discipline as uh, another factor that comes into play. So fitness, I think I can intuitively understand how you improve, though a fast bowler's fitness is totally different from a normal human being's fitness. But uh, talk us a bit about discipline and how does one develop that? Where does, where does that come from? And even what does it mean like for a lay person like me? I think more than uh, discipline, I would say uh, it is about the inputs that a bowler receives, about uh, not only his physical, uh, his technical inputs for his bowling, also about uh, managing workloads. As you rightly said, the bowlers who started, if you, um, Irfan Patan, Munaf Patel, Zahir Khan, uh, Ashish Nera, all started bowling 140s and gradually their pace came down as they uh, progressed. It was also uh, for lack of the right kind of training and their workloads weren't managed. Uh, there are a certain number of overs a fast bowler is either over bowling or under bowling. Both are bad. So an optimum uh, bowling stint is extremely important. It's like sharpening the axe. Each time you cut a tree, you sharpen the axe. So, uh, similarly, uh, bowling uh, practice in the net is also extremely vital for a bowler to stay absolutely uh, in the prime of his fitness to be able to execute uh, very well in the matches. It is about uh, your work workloads in the matches cannot be controlled because it is according to the matches. But considering the workloads in a match, you can definitely control the kind of work that they put in, in the net um, and, and their... Uh, strength and conditioning. So all these factors are extremely important. Rest, exercise, uh, recovery, diet, uh, and the kind of right kind of uh, bowling in the net. So I would say to have all these five elements, you need that discipline uh, to be able to uh, allocate the right kind of time, the right kind of, uh, you know, the diet to have. Um, you, you cannot... Um, and Bumra used to, he loves this fast food and, uh, uh, you know, milkshakes and things. Anything that's not very healthy for a, for a top-class athlete was his love. But he had to give up everything um, and eat right. Um, consult a nutritionist, have the right amount of protein with the carbs, with, the, you know, whatever. Uh, the, a fast bowler needs to stay in the best of shape. So... To be able to do that over a period of time, uh, it's okay you do it for a week, 10 days, a month, it's okay. But then to be able to do that throughout your playing career, I think that calls for a lot of hard work and discipline. So discipline, I mean in, in uh, eating right, in working right, in resting right, you do, you do avoiding late nights, going to bed at the right time because sleeping well is the best recovery that one can ever have. So making sure that everything falls into place is discipline to me. Wonderful. Um, tell us a bit about this over-bowling, under-bowling bit. Is that something that a bowler needs to figure out for himself? Or, uh, or what are the inputs that you are offering as a coach for a bowler to figure that optimal amount out? So I would say about 20 to 25 overs in a week uh, is pretty good. So spread it over three sessions or two sessions, whatever, 
thing. Uh, but this is just a guideline. It's not that you've got to really, really stick to that. Then it's about the bowler's feel. Sometimes you bowl more or sometimes you feel you're bowled enough. And this is what, uh, you know, I find is uh, enough. But if you can generally stick to these guidelines along with strength and conditioning and rest, that would be ideal. And, and then you mean probably it, for younger bowlers, I'm talking of uh, real good professionals, but for younger bowlers who are coming up, also you can probably bring it down to you know, strictly about uh, 20 overs or uh, 18 overs or something like that if, if they are 15, 16, because over bowling is the one of the biggest, biggest um, you know, threats to young fast bowlers who break down with stress fractures. So it's important that their workloads are really, really monitored. And when you mean these uh, overs, uh, 20, 25 overs, you're talking about imagining as if you're in a match and bowling all out, or are you imagining a, a little more steady uh, I bowling? I would say this, this it's no, nothing steady, because if you practice to be steady, you will only be steady in a game. You would practice as though you would be bowling in a match. Uh, okay. So it will probably work out to around if you're having three sessions, about 40 to 45 balls in every session. I'm not counting the warm-up balls and your warm-up time. It's bowling pure 40 to 45 balls in every session. Wonderful. I mean, if, when you're talking about, uh, you know, when I when I was saying bowling all out, uh, it just strikes me that, uh, and I can ask you also how, uh, among all the bowlers that we have, it just seems that, uh, you know, if I take Mohamed Siraj as an example, it just seems almost like uh, he's like the Rafael Nadal of fast bowlers. Every ball he is running in with such absolute, uh, you know, conviction. And it's like every ball he's bowling his last ball. That's how much he's putting in. And it's so amazing to see that level of, uh, uh, you know, all-out bowling. That is. is that something I'm reading wrong or is it correct? <laughs> No, oh, absolutely right. Uh, he is probably one of the most enthusiastic bowlers you can come around, and uh, he's, he's, he looks very, very energetic, and uh, he's a very nippy bowler too. But then, um, yes, your observation is absolutely right in Siraj. Uh, also, like I said, his, his bowling workloads have to be. He was lucky enough, but when I was uh, the coach of Hyderabad. Um, we, uh, he understood the importance of uh, both because he used to bowl a hell of a lot earlier. It doesn't affect you when you're beginning your career, but as you're going on, you find that without rest, when you're bowling, you're like you. The questions that you ask me, why does the pace come down? It's due to lack of um, the monitoring the workloads. The pace would definitely drop, and the bowler won't even realize that. But but you also mentioned interestingly that that Siraj is one uh, kind of bowler who is so good at following instructions and if he you're, if he's given a certain line and a length he's able to do it. So how does the two come together? Because he's go it seems like he's going all out, but still he's able to get that control. That must be one of the hardest skills to have as a bowler, right? It is. He's naturally blessed with it, and I think a coach working with a bowler is about a relationship. And that relationship is purely built on trust, uh, absolute trust. It takes a while for you to uh, build a relationship with bowlers. But once having built that relationship, the bowler uh, uh, makes sure that he, he has total faith in your uh, abilities. Because also, I think as a coach, it is important that you bring something to the table for every bowler. 
Uh, once you bring something to the table, then how do you build trust with a player? Once is, yeah, being as a person, you need to be a genuine person first. And then secondly, if you're bringing something to the table, which any bowler feels that it's my skills are uh, improving, then instantaneously you build a rapport with them. Wonderful. So in terms of this planning thing, I mean, if you can just give me and my listeners a general idea of how this happens, because I mean, I, I think I vaguely understand that, you know, there are a lot of basic plans that are made and the bowlers have a certain uh, way in which they have some plans. But how much of it happens on the fly in the middle and how much of it is already, you know, practiced and uh, sort of understood? As I said, um, it's about empowerment. And uh, a bowler, first of all, a bowler needs to understand himself. What are my strengths? Uh, what are the things that I should go back to? Because there are situations in a game where you are under absolute pressure. So my advice to all young bowlers or any bowler at that point is when you are under pressure, go back to things that go back to your strengths, things that you can um, execute at will at any given point of time. So, first of all is, um, you know, understanding those strengths. And uh, secondly, for you to be a very successful bowler, uh, there is enough data available on uh, all the batsmen, at least international cricket and domestic championship. There is enough data available. So, your interpretation of the data to understand the strengths of a batsman and also the areas that you can exploit as a bowler is very, very important. You spoke of discipline earlier. So I think a bowler needs discipline in his bowling to be consistent, to be able to exploit the shortcomings of any batsman. So once you understand this, and also it's about feel. Um, uh, once a bowler is bowling, there is certain instinctive feel that he gets it and he backs his instinct. And as a coach, I think it's extremely important to uh, help your bowler or make him understand that when instinctively he feels something, he needs to back that instinct and try out. And you would always trust that bowler's instinct? Of course. Of course, you need to trust the instinct. And uh, also, it's a great lesson for a bowler uh, through that instinct, whether my, my thinking is right or my thinking is not up to the mark. See, because sometimes you, they don't bowl badly, their, 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 uh, the choice of balls are, uh, are not right. See, we say cricket is 90% mental, right? For the 10% physical part, how much do we work? We bowl one hour in the net, we bat for about 45 minutes, we do fielding for half an hour, then we go to the gym, we go to the pool. There are so many, at least four hours of work in a day, you put on the 10% physical part. How much work do you put on the 90% mental part? You don't need four hours, but you need at least half an hour work on uh, how do I uh, get better? How does my thought process change? How does my thought process get better? What should I be thinking under pressure? And when I'm under pressure, every bowler will go through pressure. When I'm under pressure, how do I overcome that? So these are the things that you need to figure out, you need to work out, you need to discuss, and you need to practice. Yeah, so one, one point that you spoke about is the data aspect of it and how bowlers the, today have uh, you know data on all the leading batsmen and all the major batsmen. 
how much of an effect has that brought in in their improvement as bowlers and do you think that you know earlier generations even 10 years earlier would have become, would could have become that much better with this amount of data available see sport is uh, any sport if you look at uh, the best of uh, the best laid plans can go haywire it's it's about a uh, it's about a player's form on that particular day but overall if i understand uh, and i am able to exploit the weaknesses of a, either a bowler or a batter once i understand that again at at higher levels it is about how consistently you are able to uh, exploit uh, that kind of information that you have so i would say that yes awareness is the very important aspect awareness is the key uh not only awareness of the opponents awareness of your own strengths awareness of the conditions um you know awareness of the situation of the match all these things add up it's not just one or two things it's not just about planning it's about the conditions it's about like i mentioned earlier all the things that constitute uh, awareness of a player now how do i digest this information to come out with the right plan that is the biggest challenge for any sport absolutely so so to put it a little more uh, bluntly had there been had we not had access to this data would the quality of the bowling be largely similar could be because uh, i would say that uh, they would be bowling in areas of strength of a batsman if you are not uh, also there are certain uh, um, situations when a bowler is able to read a batsman uh, the perception skills is something that we need to uh, consider uh, a, bowl, a batter also trying to read what a bowler is bowling because he's he strained eye uh, watching the bowler on video when he playing opponents is looking at his body language uh, gives you a lot of information as cricketers so also it is about not only the inputs that you get from the coaches from uh, all that is happening around you but is also your ability your own ability of reading a batter or a, a batsman reading a bowler all these things contribute to how successful a player that you are wonderful wonderful uh, the uh, the other point i wanted to bring out uh, you know just uh, to wrap up the conversation about the previous uh, generations of bowlers who had to learn a lot of their skills at the highest level is that now we are seeing a crop of bowlers coming in who seem to be so test ready even when they come in i mean uh, siraj of course is a classic example but there have been other bowlers also who seem to be who seem to know so much about their games the moment they are even making their debut Uh, what would you attribute that to i think uh, uh, all these kids uh, it's the game they call the game method of learning they are watching the best in action on television and uh, when they are watching the best bowlers in action they are seeing what they are doing uh, uh, sometimes the commentators also explain um, and you see images on television as to what the player is doing so i think that is the best teacher for any young fast bowler learning at uh, age so they go out and try out those very things today and if they if they can get hold of a coach who also gives them the right kind of inputs to hasten the process 
uh, that will be outstanding. And uh, that exactly is what is happening now. You see a lot of young fast bowlers or uh, batsmen coming up with exceptional talent. It's because they learn by watching. They watch the best in the world. Wonderful. We did not have that. When we grew up, we only saw the league players and then we watched the, uh, you know, uh, Ranji Trophy players and, and so on. How many matches do you get to watch? Also, the kind of uh, analysis that happens when they watch uh, players at close quarters, that's something which is uh, extraordinary kind of information the players have today, young players. Yeah, I think uh, many of them uh, just uh, even on YouTube, they are freezing frames and they are uh, learning things from those uh, minute movements and things. So they have access to so much of video and, uh, uh, you know, their own intuition that they can pick up from. Uh, so uh, what I wanted to come to swing bowling, actually. I mean, can you talk a bit about why uh, we are not, we don't see that many uh, classic swing bowlers, uh, you know, these days? Uh, is it one of the most difficult arts as a fast bowler? And, you know, it that seems to be a lot of bowlers who are very good with, uh, you know, who are quick and who have good seam, but pure swing bowling seems to be on the way, or am I wrong? Oh, you look about every. If you look at all the bowlers around the world, uh, they move the ball at a great pace. Um, earlier, there was a myth that if you are a swing bowler, you need to be slow. But you see, look at bowlers who are bowling 140 plus to swing the ball. Bumra is one of the best exponents of uh, swing and seam. Look at Mohammad Shami. Look at the seam position that he has. Mohammad Siraj. They all bowl 135, 140 and then they are able to seam and swing the ball. So, swing bowling is about how well you release the ball and how much time you give the ball, uh, the optimal time you give the ball in the air so that the, the, the ball swings or if there is help from the wicket, uh, you're, you're also seaming the ball. So, the position of the seam is extremely important and for the position of the seam to be really good, your release has to be excellent. So if you have this, it's, it's you don't need to compromise pace. You can swing the ball at any speed. No, the, the reason I uh, also asked is because uh, Bhuvaneshwar Kumar is an example that was in my head. And uh, when he started off, you know, he was a swing bowler. But then at some point of time, he also added some pace and then became quite a lethal bowler, actually. I mean, there was a phase in which he was he, perhaps... He added, pace, he added pace without compromising on swing. So, uh, see, even if you are bowling one late 120s and ability to move the ball, it's still tough in test cricket. Uh, you see international cricketers struggle when the ball swings. So, if you're going to be 135 plus and you swing the ball, it's, it's probably one of the toughest faces a batsman is going to face. And uh, you as a bowler, if you have that ability, you're going to be really, really successful. So, but uh, do you feel like that adding that pace, uh, you know, resulted in, uh, you know, him having the injury or the injury was totally unrelated to the fact of this bull adding the pace? I, I don't think so because I thought he worked exceptionally hard on his uh, physical, uh, you know, strength and his, um, uh, on his strength work. And uh, that led to the increase of pace. The pace did not increase because, you know, of any... Uh, exceptional skill work. The skill was there. So, in order to get that skill work going, 
we needed to work on his running and we needed uh, he did a lot of work on his uh, you know strength and conditioning so all these factors have you know led him to increase his pace okay so uh, one of the other questions i had in this matter is when um, india went to new zealand in 2020 uh, i had a wonderful time with the ball it was a definitely a closer series than the scoreline suggested but uh, there were a few comments that said that the indian bowlers perhaps bowled too quickly in those conditions to exploit the swing is that something you agree with or is it just a myth again as you said See, again, if you look at our bowling, our bowling was pretty good um, uh, in New Zealand. Uh, it was it was a closely fought contest, but our batting is something that uh, did not click as we wanted to. If you, if you look at all the other overseas victories, our batting clicked, and there were scores of under 200. Uh, in fact, even in uh, Christchurch, we got the lead. Uh, we got a slender lead, uh, and then we failed to bat well. We were all out for 135. So you you really don't expect that. And uh, both the test matches, um, the conditions were, you know, the wickets were really, really green. And in New Zealand, it tends to settle down because they use the heavy roller as they go on. And both the test matches, they lost the toss. So they exploited the conditions when it was absolutely fresh. Had, had, we, had we even won the toss, the conditions would have been a lot different. So you can attribute a lot of it to that, but I thought overall our bowlers performed really well in New Zealand. Um, the, and if you look at the kind of swing that uh, Muhammad Chami and uh, Bumrah got in those conditions, it was it was really really commendable, and they were playing in the New Zealand home conditions. I think in South Africa, if you look at the Test in Cape Town. Uh, it's the best chance for us to beat them. The wicket was pretty good. And uh, the second innings, we got them out for 130-odd. And we had to get 200 runs to win. Uh, and we were well set on a, you know, we could have cruised to victory. 200 runs on that track was not much. But again, our batting faltered. Um, but uh, if, if you look at the next test in Johannesburg, I think uh, we uh, we batted very well. Uh the, the 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 margin was uh, even the first innings lead they had got about 350 we were 320 second innings again there was a collapse uh, and uh, when we played the third test match uh, the wicket was a dicey one it was green uh, and it was soft and we had a lot of criticism when we played five fast bowlers uh, in that match and we won the toss and we batted because we knew that the dense on the wicket is going to be tough in the last innings, uh, but that that was that 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 was the test match that gave the entire team the confidence, uh, saying that we could win under all conditions, and that was the beginning of uh, us dominating, um, uh, you know, world cricket outside the country. I'm uh, glad you brought up the 2018 series because, uh, the, as you said, you know, the Johannesburg uh, victory, uh, which was, of course, uh, Bumrah's debut series, uh, the Johannesburg victory, uh, seems to have been something that, uh, you know, really galvanized that team with five fast bowlers and the ability to defend such a low total. And uh, so, so can you, uh, you know, if when you're going in with an all-pace attack, can you talk a bit about, you know, the sort of the uh, 
uh, how each bowler actually benefits from it or is it also a bit of a disadvantage because you have nobody to sort of give you that leeway as in perth it happened once in perth when india also went in with an all pace attack and perhaps could have maybe could have had a spinner having a spinner might have made a difference there well no i think uh, it was the first time in uh, johannesburg when india had a all pace attack there was absolutely no spinners in it and then uh, we uh, we went on to win that test match um, so in in uh, in perth we felt that uh, jadeja was not uh, ashwin was not fit and uh, jadeja was just recovering from a uh, injury so we thought instead of putting in a bowler who would uh, who's not fully fit it's not fair on him or not fair on the team so we decided to go in with uh, you know full uh, there were four fast bowlers playing along with bihari who could bowl off spin and bihari i think in in all fairness he did a pretty good job because he got the first two wickets on the first day and uh, that was also one test match where uh, the indian team can be really really proud of when uh, the shami spell in the second innings where literally literally the australians were on the back foot and you could you could feel the indian fast bowlers intimidating the australians in their home soil i think that was a great uh, uh, sight for all of us okay so so uh, oh, yeah it's uh, interesting because uh, now i'm not you talk about it i'm remembering that spell because eventually in matches that you know the final innings becomes uh, something that you remember but yes so so when you see a bowler like shami bowling like that in uh, perth with that kind of thing uh, you know what what does it do to the team and what does it do for the confidence of the other bowlers it must really be giving uh, adding to that right absolutely i think it uh, it's a huge flip when you know that one of your bowler is intimidating it it inspires the other bowlers to uh, follow suit and uh, that's exactly what they did and uh, even though we lost that test match the way we came back in melbourne was 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 really really um, you know uh, that that's 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 what you expect uh, as a coach and having won that test match and uh, had a, have a leading the series uh, had we gone the full distance in the sydney test match we would have easily won that test match too because they had to get about 500 runs with one and a half days um, and the wicket was deteriorating but unfortunately rain curtail uh, play yes and uh, i think uh, kuldeep uh, was having a fantastic spell so yeah a big big chance of victory in that match um but two, uh, two other uh, like one big series that i want to touch upon which is not uh, as often spoken about is the 2019 in west indies i mean the manner in which uh, bumrah was bowling in that series and not just bumrah even the other bowlers but of course with the spells the way bumrah was bowling it was almost like he was able to he was swinging the ball exactly the way he wanted both ways i mean that must have been uh, it was quite magical for us and how was it for you watching that the biggest compliment we got as a team uh, was from one of the greats of uh, uh, of the world uh, sir wevin richards he was watching the test match then after the test match um, got the opportunity of interacting with him and he told us that 
this this by far and uh, it's one of the best bowling units i've seen in a long 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 time i never expected that indian bowlers would be so intimidating and it's a great sight and i'm so happy for you so that sums it up uh, a compliment from vip richards on the indian fast bowling overseas is is something uh, i think it's 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 a totally different uh, feeling altogether absolutely and and one of the things that was happening in that series is that uh, the ball the the way uh, again specifically taking bumrah because of some of the balls that he was bowling was so magical they were starting from you know way outside off and then coming in at some really parab uh, parabolic banana angle or he was starting it from leg and they were going and hitting off it was it was like you know seeing perhaps a wasim akram or you know a bowler of such great caliber and to do it just spell after spell i think uh, bumrah was simply outstanding in that series and so was uh, shami mohammad shami was uh, really really good he 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 created that pressure and the bumrah the ability to move the ball both ways at that pace and the kind of uh, spells that he bowled was uh, really very pleasing and a, a very contented sight as an indian and more so as an indian coach i think that that was something uh, was splendid extraordinary uh, bowling in the west indies and when uh, bumrah's action right it's naturally like the you, as a batter you're naturally expecting the ball to come in and when he's getting that prodigious swing away from you i mean is there even a chance i mean you are just like a sitting duck right at some point bumrah worked very hard on his uh, outswingers too because with that action uh, it's more um, you feel the ball is going to come into you but then he worked really hard on his wrist positions to be able to swing the ball out and that created a huge doubt in the uh, minds of batters and um, also batters were not able to read him um, um, and they did not have the time that they would be playing a mohammad shami or uh, any other fast bowlers because that split second decision uh, later to read him made him that much more potent so did the did the duke's ball make a difference too in west indies i think all bowlers love to bowl with the duke's ball that's probably the number one ball a fast bowler or a spinner would love to bowl because there's a, a really protruded seam and uh, you the ball feels very good with all the bowlers you can move the ball spinners find it that uh, they grip the ball very well so i think it's it's probably one of the uh, the number one ball where bowlers uh, look forward to bowling with wonderful and and uh, just one more match that i would have to touch upon is uh, you know the lords test uh, in on the tour to england where uh, on the final sort of uh, you know when india had a short time to bowl england out and uh, it was a little over 50 overs uh, it was a rap i mean that intensity of uh, fast bowling on that day was a sight to behold how was it like for you well we knew uh, that we were honestly looking for a score of 220 230 if we can get to it we'll be lucky and then we can wrap them up 
but uh, the the batters, the the the, the bowlers actually who batted tremendously well, Mohammad Shami, Bumrah, uh, and all these guys batted so well for us to get that kind of a score, and that in itself was an inspiration. They were really pumped up because they had batted well, and that confidence rubbed down to their bowling, and they they knew that they had to bowl 60 overs. And so they could afford to go all out each and every ball. And that's exactly what they did. And the rest is history. Wonderful. Just uh, a couple of things to wrap up. Uh, so India, as I said, is, uh, you know, has the best attack that they have had in their history. And uh, perhaps uh, Sir Viv Richards himself has said uh, one of the best uh, attacks, uh, you know, in the world game. Uh, do you see this continuing over a period of time? Do you see uh, things plateauing after a bit, uh, there being a cyclic uh, break and then things coming back? How do you look at the next generation that is coming through? I think it's extremely healthy. If uh, any, anything is going to, uh, if you have a yardstick to measure that, I think the IPL is uh, one. You have Umran Malik, you have Mohsin Khan, you have uh, so many other left-arm fast bowlers coming up who are all 140 plus that augurs very, very well for India. And I think it is extremely healthy and I don't see any reason why it should go down. Uh, in fact, uh, we should we should have an embarrassment of riches in fast bowling over the next five, six years. And, and actually, these set of fast bowlers have inspired this young lot to come up and uh, when when they do get their chance, I think I'm sure they would also inspire the next lot of fast bowlers coming up. And apart from the IPL, do we also uh, would you also put the A tours as a yardstick because that is helping them bowl a large number of overs uh, in a day? Yeah, it does. Uh, the A tours, the Ranji Trophy, the A tours, all this help in uh, you know honing their skills. And uh, these, these players are lucky that they have the international exposure, not only in the IPL, also in the A-Tours, which, uh, which would help them prepare and uh, be at their peak when they come on to play for the senior Indian team. And what about spinners uh, after in the next generation? Yes, uh, I would say if you look at uh, Chahal, if you look at uh, Kuldeep, his, his, his career is going to begin right now. Uh, and uh, there are a few good leg spinners coming up in the country. So if they can be nurtured well, you, you do have Ashwin who can continue for a little while, then Jadeja is there. Um, and with the young spinners coming up, I'm sure uh, India, India will have uh, enough spinners to go through all formats of the game. Wonderful. Uh, you had mentioned that uh, uh, your spin was uh, coaching spinners was uh, one of your uh, sort of things that you're really passionate about uh, so i cannot leave you without one question on a bowler that i'm absolutely fascinated with who is aksar patel how is uh, aksar patel seems like such a phenomenon to me because uh, you know with that action it's almost like he is able to hold a, a tea saucer in his hand and he's just like saucering it through and the ball is doing it uh, uh, how would you describe this uh, his bowler and this bowler and how does a batter even play him when the pitch is uh, assisting even giving a bit of assistance to spin it's because aksar uh, uh... To me, is is an outstanding bowler is because of his accuracy and the odd angle at which the ball comes in, 
and his ability to bowl a lot straighter balls uh, when there is so much help in the pitch. When you see other bowlers, uh, think the batsmen uh, play for the spin, they play for the turn, but uh, to be able to bowl straighter on turning tracks is a huge ability. And also the height at which he delivers the ball, he's got a high arm action. The angle at which he delivers makes him uh, that much of a potent uh, uh, bowler, Akshar Patel. And so they are all different. Jadeja is different. Jadeja is accurate. He's different. Uh, if you look at Ashwin, world-class bowler, one of, one of the legends of uh, spin bowling. So each one is different. They bring uh, different aspects to the table. And also, if you buy, if you look at the guys like uh, um, Kuldeep Yadav, the next one in making, uh, if your if IPL form is anything to go by, he's announced that he's coming back strongly. So that augurs very very well for India over the next few years. And and a bowler like Akshar, do you see him having success all over the world, irrespective of the kind of surface that he's bowling on? Well, I think uh, the, he's got enough confidence, uh, but he should learn to adapt to bowling on wickets that are not helpful uh, in the longer format. So, if he can do that, he's got all the ingredients to be successful. It's how far he puts that to uh, use when given the opportunities is going to be the key. Wonderful. Um, this was uh, fantastic. A great education for me about bowling, fast bowling. Uh, spin bowling. I uh, will definitely learn more about spin bowling and uh, hopefully we can have a conversation at a, at a later time. But uh, thank you so much, Arun, for joining and uh, it's been a real pleasure. Thank you. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure for me too. Good luck. Thank you. I'm sure uh, all our listeners uh, would have uh, learned uh, that little bit more about bowling and uh, also about some of our uh, fantastic bowlers that we have in the Indian team, and uh, you know, thanks to the guidance of uh, uh, you know doing well. Thanks to the guidance of uh, people like Arun and the other coaches that they have that they have had. Uh, as usual, uh, listeners of Eighty One All Out, uh, you can subscribe to our podcast. Our website is eighty one all out .com. Uh, You can rate and review the podcast uh, wherever you listen to it. It really helps uh, more people to find it. And uh, yeah, uh, we will join you for another episode in the coming days. India have won the series. They're going to get back for two. India at home. Lords goes wide.